happened? But they want to know from somebody who does. What is he like? And I decked a lot on any of my references. I don't have a pen on it. I decked a lot. Remember that word, okay? Because next year I'm going to have you, right? Any? If you trust me. But I also write in my references. Very similar to I think what we see in Paul is I know you, but I'm also going to call you to, a, to live out these words. In essence, don't make me a lot. I don't think I buy one bit. And I go to reference too. You know, I have it on my phone. And I'll write it on you. Okay? I will. I don't, yes. Alright? Yeah. Alright? I'll do this over. I'm pricing up here. Yeah. Because really when we say the words, 
that's not the way it's been done. We're really saying, I'm just not familiar with that. Not whether or not it's good or not, but I just don't know that. As we, you know, are in this different stage of life, I know over the past year or two years, we've been longing to get back to normal, whatever that is. Really, when I hear those of us in our churches, and sometimes even me, as I think, and some of us here, when we say we want to go back, what we're really saying is not even back to five years ago. We really want to go back to 30 years ago, when things were really good, or so we thought. You know, when you would come into a church, instead of 69, 70 people, this church would have had 100 to 110 people. That's, that's 30 years ago. You know, you go back a uh, hundred years ago, and you had 200 people in the sanctuary. This this sanctuary. Those of you watching this online, uh, you know, I know some of you get the layout, but the sanctuary that you all here in person are sitting in was rated when it was built in 1914 for 225 people. Now look around and see where we can get another 160. Yeah, roughly 164 people without the stage, I believe. Okay, so those, those you know, seven or eight, you got to come on over. And we had to get another 160 people. Jeff, would that be up to fire code at this point in time? That's a lot of people in this small space, isn't it? A couple things happened. We got bigger, and then we realized you know, we like personal space a little bit with it, okay? We want to go back. You know what? This is humanity. If you read the pages of the Old Testament, if you read in Numbers and Exodus the story of the nation of Israel, time and time and again they go, just let us go back to Egypt. Why? Egypt wasn't good. They were slaves in Egypt. Egypt wasn't good and we can read the pages and we can go, why would you ever want to do that? It's because at least they knew Egypt. They didn't know they didn't know the wilderness. They didn't know where Moses was leading them. They didn't know how to live in this newfound freedom where they weren't where they weren't told we were waking up how to work the day when they really could do something different. They had not a clue what to do. And every time I read in the stories of the Old Testament where, where people were wanting to go back, I sit there and I go, how am I the same? How do I want to go back Words. Where instead of looking forward, how have I stopped my own world? Because at least I know those days. I may not know these days or the next. And so as we read it in Galatians 4, we read Paul say that once you, before you didn't know God, you were slaves by nature to things that are not God. But now, you know God, or rather, you are known by God. A loaded statement that I hope to get to in a few short moments. How can you again and again 
of the world. Who wants to enslave you? You are carefully trying to observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear that all my work here has been for nothing, that I have labored through the pains and I have not even got a baby of hope. Wow. This is some of the harshest words Paul has to say about the Judaizers, those wanting to go back. He is, he is making the claim that the law and legalism is a step backwards from Christ. He's making it seem as if the law of the Old Testament is about slavery, that the law of the Old Testament is not of God at all. In fact, it is almost as if the Judaizers are worshiping pagan idols. You and I cannot maybe understand this. We can't understand the power of what Paul just said in those few words. Paul says, I was one of those. In the book of Philippians, he's like, I was zealous for the law. And now he's saying that law is like a pagan idol because it leads to slavery, not freedom. That, that law is going to be a step backwards from who Christ is. That law is as if the Judaizers are worshiping Caesar or Zeus or any of the other pantheons of gods. A bold statement, but a statement that only has power because he was there. He understood this. The struggle to go back to the familiar will lead us to worshiping something that can never save us. The law is mighty to save. Our legalistic structures of the day are not mighty to save us. You can't read the Bible enough to save you. You cannot do Christian service enough to save you. You can't teach at a Christian school or a non-Christian school enough to save you. Because see, the legalism, the works, the law is all about what you know and living out what you know. But sometimes knowledge gets in the way of faith. Knowledge gets in the way of what Christ is doing. This is the point of Galatians 4, 8 through 31. Paul's going to say, I've got all this knowledge that I can do. But knowledge isn't what saved him. It was the encounter with Jesus. To, to, if you can know God or know about God all you want, but our knowledge of God is not what saves us. And in the devotions this week, you know, one of the things you're going to read if you do those, and those of you online, if you go to our website or if you go to fbcstparis.com slash devotions or our faith life group, one of the things you're going to read, I think I put it on there, is Matthew 7. Is that on your devotion? All right, that's it. The scariest verses in all of Scripture, if you ask me as a pastor. 
Okay? Because there we see a little bit of what I think Paul is talking about. Where there, there are people in the last days who, who will come to Jesus and Jesus says, I never knew you. And they said, but, but, but we did these things. We healed people. We, we prophesied all in your name. We knew you. What do you mean you didn't know us? And the truth of the matter is, is sometimes if, if we don't take the person right prior to it, which is what you read the day after those, if we don't inspect the fruitness that is given, we can fail to be known by God. The fruit of the Judaizers is slavery. It's to be enslaved. It's to be bound by a list of things to do or not do and how to do them and when to do them. And if you do it exactly the same way, you might be acceptable to God. And Paul says, Beloved, you are acceptable to God because He knows you and He died for you on the cross. And you can believe in that and that gets you to be acceptable to God. It is Christ and Christ alone. In your efforts, don't miss Christ. See, these people are passionate about many things, Paul says. And passion isn't bad as long as it's for something good, he says here. But the reality is they're not passionate for a good reason. They really want to alienate you from Christ. They really want to make you a second-class citizen. Their passion was leading to people missing Jesus. Our passion for what we know needs to be tempered. Let me ask this question now, and maybe again and again. Is your passion for good? What do I mean by that? Does your passion leave room for grace and freedom? Or does it dictate you must be like I am? Does your passion divide or unify? Does your passion point to Jesus, or does it point your way of being like Jesus? You may say, well, Paul says, be like I am. I'm just wanting people to imitate me. And there's some truth in that. But let's be honest. We don't have the authority that Paul had as an apostle. I hope that if you imitate me, good fruit comes out. But, but we have to be careful sometimes that our passion isn't like trying to get a drink of water from a fire hose. The last I checked fire hoses, Jeff, they don't come out nice and easy like my water hose, my backyard hose, does it? Well, yeah, the water's dark. <laughs> but the whole point of a fire hose is not as nice and easy. Sometimes, in our zeal and our passion, it is like our recipients are trying to drink from a fire hose. It only hurts. Sometimes you gotta get that garden hose and let it just free, freely flow. Does your passion for truth does it allow people to see the grace of Christ, or does it enslave? What is your passion for good? Well, as we continue on, here's, I think, the reason many people go backwards. 
Because having Christ formed in us is very hard work. It's not linear. Paul says this here, and this is a, a, a portion that I just, uh, it's verse 19, where, where I just, I, I sat with that, what I do is a loaded phrase, my children, my dear ones, how I labor for you again until Christ is formed in you. I know you're watching us, and I don't mean uh, any disrespect, but as, as she has come to know, labor is not pain-free. You know, labor is labor for a reason. No wonder we call work sometimes labor, okay? It's hard work. Now, I've never given birth to any of my three kids and don't have a plan on it, okay? It's not possible. Amen to that. But I will tell you as a bystander, there's, okay, with Daniel, Daniel, we love you, but we didn't know what we were doing when we were in labor with you, okay? All right? We didn't. All right? And, and, and I remember this somewhat fondly because it's, it's a miracle I survived. Um, Alicia wanted me to read scripture to her. What in the world is a man a pastor supposed to read scripture? You know, I could have been Romans as if all of creation's and birth pains. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well. I'm like, what am I saying? So I picked what I thought was a good help. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you. She's like, stop it. <laughs> I Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know, what? There's nothing, okay? But what Paul is saying, and this is the heart of any good pastor, where they, they labor because they want Christ to be formed in you so much, but it's not easy. It's not easy for any uh, mature believer, and it is not easy to be mature. It is much easier to have someone tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, than it is to go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And this is why. Legalism is so uh, tricky. This is why legalism creeps into churches, good churches. And when legalism comes in, whether we call it that or we call it by another word, we will suck the life out of it. Because where legalism is, the spirit is not. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul is saying in this book. He even says it at the end of ours, but we are of the free woman. You are children of the promise. You are children of freedom. So it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, begins in chapter 5. But oh, freedom is much harder. Because freedom isn't always the specifics. Because what may be good for Jeff would not be good for me. Jeff, you want to be a pastor? No. You're sure? Absolutely. You picked three or four, haven't you? No. Two at least, right? You were on the search committee with Pastor Tim. With me, were you on a third one? You were? Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were at least on two. But okay. See, you know, you've only been on one then. So let's hope it's a good one, right? All right? But, but you know what? He doesn't want to be a pastor. 
You want to be a seminary professor? You could be like Ron Glover. No? Ron, would you like to be a bank president? No. You can control the traffic light. You want to be a police officer like Calvin? Control the traffic light every once in a while? No? No? But see, but legalism will say, you got to be just like me and i got to be like you. I, nothing against you, Chad, but I don't want to be a farrier of uh, Calvin's. Okay? You just keep doing that. I know enough about that to say no one should ever let me close. Dan, I don't want to hear the people you have to hear. And then say, no, really, I'm sorry. Your case is pitiful. I wish I could help, but I can't. You know, or, or tell the state of Ohio, you guys all messed up right here. This is what you got to do to fix it. Right? I really want you to build me a house or a church one day. You all don't want me to build a house as a church, okay? I, I have the same thing that, uh, you know, Ronnie's uh, cousin or uncle. As long as it's within two inches, you can call me. All right? <laughs> I'm not really that bad. But you all know if anybody's done building, <laughs> that won't work for long. All right? You don't want those things. But but if we're not careful, the, we turn the way of Christ to be just do exactly as I've done. Well, exactly as I have done. And what we're doing is not having Christ formed in them, we're having us formed in them. And we need to let Christ do the work that Christ can do. That means Jordan is going to be different than me, and hallelujah, praise the Lord, that Jordan and I aren't the same. That means her working of her faith is going to be different. And your faith isn't going to look like my faith. There should be some similarities, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, which really doesn't narrow much down. Okay? I think that's the point. But Caden isn't going to get to glory and go, Caden, how well did you look like Pastor Jeremy? Start growing, okay? <laughs> All right? Start losing it, okay? <laughs> no? Why not? Doesn't it look good? Just not for you. Very tactful. Alright? Very. Alright, but guys, this is what Paul is fighting against is the Judaizers weren't wanting Christ to be formed in the people. They were wanting their own faith to be formed in the people. And they made up every different way possible. But when you have Christ formed in you, this leads to being known by God. Being known by God starts with grace. Paul says, there's no one who seeks God on our own terms. Romans. But if God didn't paint the sky with stars, if God didn't paint all of creation to say there is a mighty God that can be known, none of us would know him. It starts with grace. It is sustained by grace. That's where we sometimes get off it is sustained by grace. The grace that when Peter was walking on the water and he looked around and he, he got out of it, by the grace of Christ, he raised him back up. Not because Peter deserved it. Peter didn't deserve it. But God gave it anyway. And then it is by, it ends in an act of grace when God himself, who Revelation says, pulls the keys 
door of death from being opened back in and from having the final word, you come into life, an act of grace. And when you and I, what I do many of times is I take this road and this path of grace and I try to systemize it so much and I squeeze all the grace out of it. And then I squeeze life out. Paul would go on to say, if not here, in one of his other books, must be in one of his other books, where those who want you to live by the law, I wish, if they really think circumcision is that important, I wish they would go as far as doing it all the way. Don't just do it a little bit. Do it all. We must be careful that as we are living out our faith, we don't squeeze the spirit out in such a way that we squeeze life out. And Paul does what none of us feel comfortable doing. He takes an argument from Scripture of Hagar and Sarah and all that. And I just want to say this about it. I think what Paul was doing was using the argument of the Judaizers against them and their own way of thinking. He was reading the Old Testament Christ-centered, which we ought to do, but I think Paul knew and I think we need to realize the story of Peter and Sarah was not about, originally, the story of the church and Jews versus Gentiles. Okay? But Paul sees something greater that the Judaizers were trying to say, you've got to be of the children of Abraham, you've got to be of Sarah, and because you don't get the law, you don't have the law, you don't obey the law, you are Ishmaelites. And what Paul is saying, actually, the road, the road, the two have been flipped in a very interesting way. So let me end with a statement and a couple questions. Being known by God leads to fear. <clears throat> I've said it many times, and I say it again. You know, the old TV show, no one had any money to know, it's all right. Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name, and they're glad you came. What if our communities, whether in our homes or in our churches, in our small groups, where, where everyone was known and they were loved because they were known? Let me say that in a different way. Where everyone is loved, where everyone is known, and where everyone is loved because they are known. So we can love people without knowing them. We can know people without loving them. But we need to prepare the love of the knowledge. God knows us intimately and yet still loves us. How can we get that out? As I uh, shared on social media this week, you know, a, a quote by Rosaria Butterfield which uh, is an interesting quote, and she's an interesting writer. 
challenges me in many ways. You know, it said this. And Tim Chavez from Canada is the one who posted it. I think that our churches would be places of greater intimacy and growth being formed in Christ if people stop lying about what we need, what we fear, what, where we fail, and how we sin. In our churches, there's many of us in our good Christian communities, I'm part of some of them, but I don't want to be known because I do not think I will be loved. If I don't think you can love me and there's not going to be grace, I am not going to let you see all of it. And you see, the interesting thing here, I'm going to get off the sidetrack and I need to wrap this up so you all can go home, I know. Right? Paul says here in, 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 in these verses, you know, um, and, and that these people, uh, you know, they, he hasn't been hurt by the, the Christians of Galatians. They, that, that they haven't kind of scorned him. They, they haven't, you know, caused him pain. He, here Paul has a chance of using shame to say, oh, you've hurt me, guys. You've really hurt me. I've loved you. I, I've formed you, and now you're turning away from me. He never makes that argument. Instead, you're turning away from Christ. I love you enough that I wish I was there in person. So you can see my face, I can see yours, and you can hear my heart, and I can hear yours. He didn't use shame as a way to bring them back into line because he was going to let the freedom of the Spirit do the work the Spirit could do. What if our churches began when we were a little more honest? This is what I really need. And then I'd have somebody say, You really don't need that. Here's what you really need. Excuse me, I think I know enough. And even if I'm wrong, I'm not going to be wrong. Because if I think I need it, if you want to give me something else, that I, I might need that, but I don't think I do, I need something else, I'm not going to take it. What if, what if we could have honest conversations and say, this is where I screwed up this week. This is where I messed up. And have someone say lovingly, I love you even though you sin, now let's not sin again. But have you confessed that to the Lord? Because if you will confess your sins to the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've done that? No? Then let's do that. What if we were willing to say, I am scared, and not have to hear the Christian well, God says, do not be afraid. I know that. I know that, the, 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 that God did not give me a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and self-control. I know that. But sometimes I don't need to know what I know. I need to be known by somebody. And if you and I are the image bearers of Christ, if we are Christ, little Christ while in the world, my first thought it should be to say, I know you. Or as the movie Avatar says, when they come to one another, their way of saying hello is, I see you. I see you. I know you. You are known to me and I love you because I know you. If we are to be little 
Christ, and I would submit we are, then maybe we let people be honest and say, I'm scared to death about this. That must be difficult. What do you think you need? Can I speak into that? Instead of just speaking into that? Where can we allow the Spirit to do the work? Many a times I fear that I've gotten in the way of the Holy Spirit because I try to figure out those details. You know, Paul, that's Paul, really ought to do this, this, and this, and that'll help to take care of it, okay? You know, maybe it's true. But does Paul have the Holy Spirit? Paul knows Jesus. Paul has the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. Maybe I just need to go, okay, Holy Spirit, you're already in Paul, that's true. Maybe you need to do the work with the Holy Spirit. Can the Holy Spirit do that? And the problem is, it's going to be much longer for me for him to get to where I want him to go. If you just try to replace him. Oh, I fear sometimes I've gotten in the way. I mean, quite a bit. Where are we trying to get back to? Where are you trying to get back to? I'm really hard in many ways. And you don't have to say amen. One of the ways I'm off, I, I want to get back to here on the same April of 2020. For many of you, like, that's dumb. Yeah. Man, I loved it. I loved it. Life is much easier than me. My days were quite different. I didn't know what the day would, a day would look like, but I knew enough to know that I didn't have five nursing homes multiple hospitals and homes to be in on any given day. It was a little simple. For many of you, you wouldn't pick that time period. We would pick 1990 or 2019 maybe. <clears throat> or even before. Some of you would pick back 50 years ago. Whatever's familiar with you. Because we all commit. We don't know where we're going. We don't know this world anymore. It has changed in ways that we don't like, maybe. And there's lots of ways it's changed that I don't like. I'd like to go back to a simpler time. But here's what I know. My familiarity may, if I'm not careful, get in the way of my future. They are familiar with the past not getting away of what Christ wants to do in the future. That was part of the issue with the Judaizers, the Jewish Christians of the first century. I would almost submit that if we're not careful, church, we will become them in the 21st century. Christ has a future for us, a bright future for us. But let us not let the familiar get in the way of the new of the future. Because wherever the Spirit is, is good. Wherever the Spirit, however the Spirit works, is right. However the Spirit moves in your life and mine, the 
If it aligns with Scripture, it is the Spirit. If it doesn't align with Scripture, it's not the Spirit. It's good. And that may be different. May we allow for the truth of Galatians 1 to be true in our lives and in our church. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then in your freedom and do not let yourself be burdened again by any yoke of slavery, any yoke of legalism, any yoke that is not the yoke of the Spirit. Will you pray with the Father God to come? And I just ask that maybe I got out of the way enough and you will do the work that only you can do. And if not, I just am sorry. Not next week. And Lord, may what we what we hear, what we do, may we be willing to, to come home to you each and every day, not just in, in the overt sins and the committing of sins, 